Jose, I say, Jose, it's time to wake up. Oh, buenos dias, senorita. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Hey, Michael, mi amigo, pay attention, it's Joe time. So it is. Pierre, you rascal, you. Let's put on the show. Mon ami, I am always ready, as you say, to put on the show. <whistles> oh, pardon, madame. That whistle was for my good friend, Fritz. Ach, to lieber, I almost fell out of my upper perch. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. <whistles> Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. To paraphrase what Sam the American Eagle would say, it's a salute to all things Walt Disney, but mostly Walt Disney World. A former cast member, a longtime lover of the parks, and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, Dave brings you his unique perspective about the Walt Disney World Resort. Now please remain quietly seated throughout our tour, and we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography. Our podcasters are frightfully sensitive to bright lights. So put on your virtual mouse ears, sit back, and relax, and enjoy the podcast. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Hello, everyone. It's Dave again, bringing you another Disney-related podcast. And this week, I'd like to take you a little bit off the beaten path. Something that's Disney-related, but not totally. Well, let me explain. See, I was a child of the early, 19, early 1970s, late 1960s, and um, I was a fan of Sesame Street. I mean, I don't think there was any way around that. I really enjoyed the show. Um, as a youngster, I thought it was very clever. Um, I thought the way that the, uh, the Muppets showed up on there and the things that they did, preaching positive messages and you know, doing good, I thought was really um, something that helped define my life. And, you know, I really appreciated what, what was going on there. And so I became a fan of Jim Henson, sort of by accident. And I went to a small school in Boca Raton. And this small school had the unique luxury of having teachers and administrators who had ties to other people. And being in Boca, a lot of celebrities and entertainers and so forth had family, especially older relatives, who had retired to Boca. So they'd come down from time to time and they'd visit their relatives. And because of the administrators might know somebody who knew somebody, they'd get them to come into the school and talk and uh, give, you know, give a little talk about whatever it was. We had some very interesting people come through and talk to us about things. Some of them were um, bigger than others. Some of them were you know, larger than life. And, you know, we had some, some very interesting um, little assemblies there. And like I said, it was a small school, so the number of kids that were in there, we got a chance to ask questions and interact with these people. And at one point in maybe second or third grade, there was one of the people who was a, a uh, puppeteer, one of the people who ran the Muppets, um, under Jim Henson, who came in to talk to us. Now, pressed for who it was, I can't remember. I've been racking my brain trying to remember who it was. I've talked to a couple other people who were there. They don't remember either. But what we all remembered was that he worked with the Muppets and he worked with Jim Henson. And he was talking about, you know, being the, he was talking about being a puppeteer, you know, what it's like to be a puppeteer, the things that go on, what goes into it, and what the Muppets are all about. And he gave us kind of a nice story about the Muppets that really, you know, just kind of personified who Jim Henson was. You know, that this was really something unique. 
um, that he really had an interesting idea and he really wanted to um, bring it out for kids and give us something. And along the way he was teaching us how to actually puppet and how you move your hand and you know how you how you do that so that you can actually make it look like they're talking. And it was really kind of neat and he had a couple of Muppets there he was playing with, you know the lesser known characters, but he was he was showing them to us. And you know for somebody in about third grade or so that really made an impression on me and I became a Jim Hansen fan uh, along the way. And so when the uh, Muppets came out as a TV show uh, in the early 1980s, I thought it was just phenomenal. I mean, I thought it was really good anyway, but uh, I thought it was very creative and clever and really enjoyed um, the way that uh, Jim Henson brought those characters to us again. And the movies I thought were very cute uh, that rolled through the uh, early 1980s, and I thought, this is pretty neat. And somewhere along the way, you know, I'm living in Orlando, and I'm, you know, it's, it's like 1980. Eight or 89 or so, right? And I'm living in Orlando and we're hearing this story about, gee, Jim Henson is in talks with Disney to bring the Muppets into Disney. Now what we had seen, those of us who had kind of been following, because I had some friends who were also Disney and Muppets fans, and we, what we had seen along the way was that, you know, the, the success or lack of success of some of the movies that Jim Henson had put out through the mid-1980s really wasn't all there. I mean, it just didn't have that same level of success that you would have hoped that he would have had. And he was looking for different ways to sort of distribute his movie and make them more appealing. He needed to kind of brand it a little differently. And, you know, there's a whole story, there's a whole backstory about the relationship that, uh, that Henson had with uh, Michael Eisner and the rest of the Disney team along the way and how they came to an agreement to effectively buy Jim Henson, right, to, uh, to make his creative talent, his mind, be a part of what they wanted, what the Disney company was really going to buy and put into Walt Disney World and Disneyland by extension. Um, so the Muppets were going to be, become, become part of the uh, Disney Enterprise. Now I'm not going to bore you with all the details, and I don't mean that the details are boring by any stretch of the imagination, but you can check these out on the web or you can go listen to um, Jim Corcus on the WDW radio show, who does an excellent job of kind of detailing out all the, all the specifics of what was going on and what the ins and outs were and what happened. But the end game was that uh, Jim Henson died, and now the question was, what's the benefit and what's the value of the uh, Muppet property, if that's the case? And so there was a lot of political back and forth, and I think um, Henson's wife um, was not too happy with the way the Disney company was handling it, and so she wound up, she and the family decided to sell it to a German company, sell the Muppets to a German company. Now in the oddest turn of events, along the way somewhere, they had sold all the characters that were on Sesame Street to Sesame Workshop. So they separated those out, but everything else went to this German company. Just that always struck me as kind of strange that that's the way it uh, that's the way it played out. That some of them went one place and some of them went another. But in any event, um, the bulk of the Muppets went over to this uh, German company, and they held the rights to them for some number of years. Now the problem was that they had spent too much for it, and they really didn't have the ability to distribute it either. It almost seemed like this was just sort of a, a slap in the face to the Disney company. Now. Before all this happened, there was all these great ideas that they had for putting um, the Muppets into Disney World. And I thought, as a fan of both, what could be greater? I mean, this is, this is a tremendously good idea. And they came up with a couple of different shows that they put out, um, small shows that they, to get it started. They had Here Come the Muppets uh, that came out in 1990. Um, there was a stage show that they put out there, and they, uh, they did some funny things. And Kermit's on stage, and... Um, Kermit gets a call from Mickey Mouse, and Mickey's checking in how the show is going. And, you know, there's clever interactions of the way it goes. And I remember watching that show and thinking, this is pretty cool. This is pretty clever. 
And then they uh, they did some you know Muppets on location things. Then they did another thing where the uh, where the Little Mermaid Theater is now. They had uh, a special show that was you know the Muppets. Uh, what was it? The Muppets Take Disney World. And they had a monorail crash through the stage. And that, that's the one thing I remember about it was all of a sudden a monorail crashes through the stage. And there's you know there's several of the Muppets right there. And it's it was just really cool. Then they started up this concept of Muppet Vision 3D, which I think is still a tremendously good show because it's really more than 3D, the way they've interacted um, and put some of those interactive pieces into it. Um, and I, I think it's really pretty spectacular in the way they put it together. And I think it really transcends time that it still has a certain charm to it and a certain success to it uh, that it was coming up. Um, you know, so I think that was really, really pretty neat. And you know, it's unfortunate that they couldn't do more because I know they had a lot more planned. Uh, there was going to be a lot more they were going to do um, to uh, to make the whole show come to life and make the Muppets a part of everything that happened at Disney. But unfortunately, with his death, um, untimely as it was, uh, they had to um, they had to uh, take it away and not do anything else with it because there was uh, some legal battles growing going on and whatnot. So uh, I was really thrilled when uh, what was it last year? Uh, when the Disney company got back the Muppets. Um, you know, the, the German company had folded and finally the, uh, the family had uh, agreed to, uh, to help uh, facilitate a sale to the Walt Disney Company to get the Muppets back in. And I think that really opens the door up for, for some tremendous things to, uh, to get the Muppets um, re-engaged and re-energized in, uh, in the Walt Disney Company. And, you know, I think it's just, I think it's just really neat because Jim was just such an interesting guy. And that, you know, it's one of those things where I think he just, he had such a remarkable talent. And I gotta tell you, last year, uh, there was a traveling Smithsonian exhibit that came to Orlando. And it was at the Orlando um, Museum of, what was it, uh, Natural History, I think it is. It's in downtown Orlando. It's this little museum. It's like three floors of a building um, that are kind of small. And they talk about natural history in Florida and they talk about some other things. But I heard that the Smithsonian exhibit was coming. And uh, I checked it out online and I thought, wow, this is really cool. And so I made a special trip up to Orlando just to go and see that. Now, of course, I'm going to Orlando. What else am I going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Disney for one day. So I did one day at Disney. Um, I believe I went to the Magic Kingdom that day. Then the next day I went over and I saw the, um, the Jim Henson exhibit. And it really made for a remarkable um, weekend. It really was pretty cool. And that was absolutely one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And it was absolutely worth seeing. It really, they did a nice job of kind of summarizing Jim Henson's life. It kind of, for me personally, as I'm looking around there and I'm seeing all of these things, you know, they had the Menomina um, Muppets there, the ones that sang that song. They had uh, Waldorf and Stadler's uh, little box where they would sit and, you know, tell their little jokes. They, they had some of um, Henson's original artwork. Um, one of his uh, giant Muppets, the ones he would animate by moving his body just some remarkable things that he had so many clever things that he did. He was so imaginative. And I can understand why Disney wanted to get that imagination. They wanted to capture uh, more than just the Muppets. You know, the Muppets are just, you know, these, these uh, furry creatures that uh, somebody puppets. And that's all they were. But Jim Henson's creativity really took it to a new, le new level. Um, so I think that that was really... Um, I think that was really something that, uh, that was going to make it, uh, that really made it special. And so as I looked around the museum, I thought, wow, this is, this is really cool. I mean, it just, it was so many neat little things about Jim Henson and that talked about 
his history and his life and how he got started and the first couple of commercials he did where he was doing something clever and innovative and how he took the, um, the Electric Mayhem Band and Dr. Teeth and he made that um, kind of counterculture to his own beliefs because he wanted to represent that as something different. And I just thought, you know, how cool is that? Because the guy was very interested in you know, like education and doing smart things and, and working hard. And those were the kinds of things that he did and that's what he personified. And yet he was able to take all of these things like the, um, like the Electric Mayhem Band and like uh, you know, some of the silly things that Gonzo would do and whatever and kind of take those to a new level with, um, with things that he was doing. So I'm really excited to see um, the uh, Muppets come back uh, to, to Disney. And I, I think I said a minute ago last year, but it was actually 2004 when they brought them back. Um, so they've, uh, I think they finally figured out who's going to, uh, who's going to make this all work. Um, you know, as we, look at the, as we look at the big picture of everything that uh, Jim Henson was and did, I think, it's, I think it's really important that the Disney company gets involved in this because I think the creativity that Disney shows kind of mirrors to a large degree the things that Jim Henson did. Yeah, I've said before, there, you know, there are some creative people in the world. There's some very interesting and creative people like Jim Henson, like uh, you know, John F. Kennedy and his, and his vision for what the, um, what the vision of the future would be for, uh, for putting a man in space and those types of things. I think all of those things uh, are kind of important. Uh, all of those people have some, some understanding of you know, what it is and how to put it all together, right? And they have that, that sort of visionary concept. And I'm glad to see Jim Henson joining in and being a part of this, or Jim Henson's Enterprises anyway, uh, because I really think it, uh, it brings something together. And I'm really, you know, I'm really excited about the, uh, the opportunities here. And I, it's just been something that's been rattling around in my brain for a while that I'm thinking about you know, all of the things that Jim Henson brought and all of the creativity he had and the fact that for some period of time, Disney had no rights to the Muppets other than the agreement they signed for you know, Muppet Vision 3D. They had no rights to any of it. And it's, it's really too bad that for that period of time they had that problem, but I'm really glad that now they have something um, greater that they can do and they can really make it something more. Um, so that's, you know, that's really where I was going with this. It was just an interesting thought I had because I had some, the personal encounter early on and I had this sort of uh, thought about Jim Henson and what he did and, you know, it just really makes you feel good. Um, that, uh, you know, just that they're, they're back and they kind of got the whole thing going. Um, and I, I do want to point you to, uh, to the WDW radio show uh, with Jim Corcus and talking about Jim Henson because I think, he, like I said, I think he does a tremendous job of kind of giving you all the detail. I just felt like I needed to say something more um, and talk about, you know, how this all kind of plays out with everything that I've, you know, that I'm doing and how I think about uh, Walt Disney World and what I think about the creativity of it all. And uh, it, is a, it is a shame that uh, Jim Henson died when he did because that kind of made it a little bit harder um, to make some of these things uh, work. And uh, you know, now I understand there's a new movie in the works that uh, may be coming out with the Muppets and you know, would uh, be certainly interesting if they do. So yeah, that's the, I, I would say that's probably your best bet for, um, for getting, some, uh, getting some of the stuff out there is to see uh, Disney distribute some of the Muppets works. Um, you know, it's just, it's just amazing to me. And you know what else is amazing? You know, if you ever hear any of the people who worked for Jim Henson, whether it's Frank Oz or whether it's uh, Kevin Clash who does Elmo, um, or any of the other people that actually worked for him, they're all very passionate about what they do. Um, I once heard an interview with Carol Spinney. He's the guy who does Oscar the Grouch and Big Bird. And 
he's been doing it for since the beginning. So uh, what was when did Sesame Street come on? 1964 or five, something like that. 66, I don't know, somewhere in that range. Um, he's been doing it ever since they started. So he's been doing it for like you know 40 years now, and he expects to do it till the day he dies, because he's so passionate about what he does. He loves it. He wouldn't think of doing anything else. And I'm, that just you know that just speaks volumes to me that somebody could be that passionate about that particular job. I mean, you think about it. He's puppeting, right? He's doing some job of, um, of moving a mouth and moving the, moving the bird around, but it's so much more than that. And, you know, that's, to me, that's what typifies exactly what the whole Jim Henson, Jim Henson experience was and who all these people were and how they all fit together. You know, you listen to Frank Oz talk and, you know, he's, he's, doing, he's done other things in his life. I mean, he went on to do the Star Wars films doing Yoda. And uh, yet, you know, he thinks fondly about his experiences of being um, working with Jim Henson and doing some of the things. He was, you know, he was the, uh, uh, the Fozzie Bear character. He was the Miss Piggy character. No, he wasn't Miss Piggy. I'm sorry. Um, was he? I can't remember now. But, it, you know, it was, it was always kind of interesting um, to kind of, you know, see the interactions there with, um, with him and, and, uh, and Jim Henson and kind of how they fit together. So it is kind of neat. And, uh, you know, I just had to share my own personal story there and uh, how, that all, how that all works. So that's my podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you again soon. Bye. It's the Muppet Show. It is I, Sam, the American Eagle. I would just like to say a few words about nudity in the world today. And I, for one, am just appalled by it. Why, did you know that underneath their clothing, the entire population of the world is walking around completely naked? Is that disgusting? And it's not just people, although goodness knows that's bad enough. But animals, too, even cute little doggies and pussycats can't be trusted. Underneath their fur, absolutely naked. And it's not just the quadrupeds, either. Birds, too, yes. Beneath our fine feathers, birds wear nothing, nothing at all. Most of the music you're hearing on this podcast is from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. Craig does a number of things in the techno space. You can find Craig's music on myspace.com soundA as an apple. 
And my thanks also to Doug over at geekacres.net for his rendition of a Jack Wagner classic. And now we've reached our destination in the 21st century. Yes, I know, it went by so fast. But don't worry, because the future is always in front of us. Thanks for riding with us. Please collect your personal belongings and step onto the moving platform. The platform and your car are moving at equal, yet opposite speeds, so watch your head and step. If you have questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, or would just like to ask Dave a question about Disney planning or anything else, send him an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. And now, I gotta be moving along. He's looking for a little more adventure I'm heading for a little bit of fun now He's hoping for a little more excitement Time to be moving along It's time to be moving along Time to be moving along